Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. So the debate was last night. When I watch the debate, I like to play a drinking game. If anyone is talking, I drink. I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. It is Friday, October 23rd. It is the year 2020, the year that will live in infamy. This is the year. Remember, everybody's talking about 2020. It's just the worst. And uh, we're here. It is Brett from the Bunker. I am your host, Brett Singer. And joining me today is Gianmarco Ceresi. Gianmarco, how are you? I'm, I'm good. I, I watched that debate as well. Uh, it was very interesting seeing, seeing two people. I, I wouldn't trust to use a stovetop debate the future <laughs> of our country. <laughs> They're not I, young. Uh, oh They're not God. young. I, I, I say old people like Biden because he makes them think someday they could grow up to be president. That's nice. Um, I think that's sweet. A, yeah, it's it's nice. You know, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as the, the last debate in terms of just like oh my gosh. Um, but uh, Biden did a lot of. I noticed he, whenever he didn't like know what his final point was, he'd be like, "Come on." And I'm like, that's kind of what I do in stand-up when I don't have a punchline. I'm like, it's, come on. It's crazy. <laughs> There's just no, that's all I got. Is that the what else is going on of, uh, of debate topics? Yeah, or it's just like, oh, yeah, it's the sound. <laughs> <laughs> just make guttural noises. Yeah. Now, do you do political comedy? Uh, you know, uh, I've been doing a lot more recently, like, cause it just feels like it feels impossible. I think, uh, Micah Fox posted that we're like, we're not political comedians, but you, you, what else can you talk about? This is in your face. Um, but I think it's hard to be a political comedian, a, cause things become dated so fast. Right. B, because like you have to talk on a very surface level cause you're not going to have a bunch of policy wonks in the audience. And I go to Connecticut and you're like, <laughs> there's a lot of Trump supporters there. And right. I have to make a decision like, oh, do I just want to bomb here and get booed off stage? Or am I at a place in my career that I have to, I can't just go and piss off every non-liberal audience, even if I do think Trump is bad. It's a tough, quite a tough time, man. <laughs> no, no, I think that's exactly, that's something that always concerns me. I mean, it, you know, it, it's the old... This is a terrible example, but, you know, Michael Jordan saying Republicans buy shoes, too. You know, like you yeah. don't want it, You yeah. don't want to get up there and just have the entire audience hate you um, because I mean, it just turned I've, out that there were a bunch of Trump supporters there. It's just why would you want that? I often say I'm the Michael Jordan of stand up comedy. I, I've said so that about you very much in the same position. It's well, also, I think with Trump is like there is this uh, like wrestling aspect to it where I can say a joke. And the moment I just say the word Trump. You'll have some audience members who go like, yeah, 
don't think <laughs> oh, you God. had that with George Bush. Like, pe- there are people who liked him and defended him, but it wasn't that same, like, all of a sudden we're at, like, a, like a, a wrestling match, and now the flow of the comedy has changed. Now you have to, now you have to lay your – you have to claim your side out loud. Um, well, and, the, and then the other part of it is that people are, there are people who are going to freeze up as soon as they hear his name. Like I've had sure. jokes that, that were, you know, they're maybe not the greatest jokes in the world, but they, you know, they were fine and they seem to go, okay, maybe you try it at an open mic. It seems all right. And then you do it in front of an audience. And the second you say Trump, everybody just locks up, you know, that unless you're doing a Trump impression, I think it's really difficult to pull up, to pull off a Trump joke. I mean, obviously you can do it and people certainly, people certainly do it, but I think it's, it's hard because it's just such a divisive topic. Yeah, I think this, I mean, I think the tough thing with politics is like when it feels when things feel really dire, it's like, well, you you should be talking about this, but it's like the people came here. It's the same where where like if you went to a restaurant and your waiter started screaming politics to you, part of you would be like, oh, well, I just wanted to eat, and someone could come, someone could say, someone could say, well, it's so dire right now, we all should be talking about it all the time. Right. And they're not necessarily wrong. But on the other hand, you're like, I just want to have dinner right now. Is right. there anywhere I can go and just put food in my face without right. without talking about this? No, and no, that's I think what that's, it is that's well said. But I think like a really good political comedian is totally within their right to look at someone not talking about politics on stage and being like, you coward. You're not dealing with the world around you right now. So... What are you gonna do? I'm I'm just I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a balancing act. It's, I think it depends on what level you're at and what the audience expects. That I think yeah. that if they're expecting you to do to do political jokes, obviously that's gonna you know if you're John Fugel saying, you are there doing probably like a liberal comedy type of thing, and everyone's sure. gonna expect that. So it makes sense. That's what you do. But if it's not what you do. Then I think you're treading and you're you're you know it's thin ice. You're taking you're taking a risk, and obviously a lot of comedy is a risk, and there's not and it's not bad to take a risk, but you just I feel like you got to understand what you're doing. Or it's just pandering. It's just like it's very tough because like, especially we we we're like uh, some liberal comics. If it's a liberal audience, like wait, so you went on stage to have everyone agree with you? Yeah. But also like challenging. Also, it doesn't feel I like I'll poke fun at Biden. But it does feel like a, I don't need to go up there and like, because obviously I'm a liberal, I'm a liberal New York Jew. I'm like, I don't need to go up there and like shit on Biden right now. Is this really the time that I need to go up there and like really take it to the liberals like one week before the election where I do hope Biden wins in a landslide? I don't need to do that right now. Right. Um it's it's like going home and it's like, oh, Thanksgiving dinner, that's when you're going to confront your dad about being a shitty father. Maybe do it <laughs> not on his – don't do it on his birthday. Do you have to do it on his birthday? Was that necessary to it? Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's a good analogy. I like that. I like that. So I, I just – we have somewhat limited time, and I want to make sure I ask you about The Real Housewives because that's on your website, sure. and I'm fascinated. So you did stand-up on The Real Housewives? <laughs> so it was like – it was my friend Remy Casimir. It was like, it was like a live podcast – very weird. It was all weird, very, very fishy. It's like a live podcast recording, but The Real Housewives will be in the audience, and – I'm just like, sure, I'll do a set. I'll do a live podcast. And what it was, was it was like the Real Housewives 
we're having dinner and drinks, and there's a show, there's a podcast going on, but all the cameras are just crowded around them. So a very surreal event where it felt almost like there was a film shoot going on, and I decided to perform stand-up next to the film shoot. You feel like you feel like you are, and these are the real hell gigs, like the private gigs you have in your life, where it feels like you are forcing stand-up on them, even though you were asked to attend. Um, so no one was paying attention. Some crew members in the back were kind of laughing. And I could see the whole thing from the beginning. No one was paying attention. And I, I know this is a nightmare gig. I got stoned, which I don't do before I'm performing. But I think I was like, this is crazy. Let's lean into the craziness of this and get stoned. <laughs> and I saw no one was paying attention. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go up there and do like a really loud, extroverted, physical storytelling bit and just try to do something with this. And all I am, I'm so thankful they showed me just little enough that you can't tell that it was like a disaster. Um I got my two seconds of fame and then they cut to someone else bombing. And that's great. That's the perfect, when you do these kind of reality show things, it's probably not smart to do them. Even the America's got talent because God forbid they, they cut you off or they edit you in a wrong way. You have no power over it. It goes up on YouTube. And like, that's the first thing for your name for the rest of your life. You're I'm the third person I, to you're you're the third person to say that to me about AGT uh, that 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 I've, you have to I've sort of heard, accept that that possibility exists. I've heard stories, I've heard stories about it, and again, like it can go really well. But you know, Us- Usama Siddiqui was on it recently, and he's he's a, a brilliant comedian, and one of the judges like decided and it feels so manufactured on the judge's part, like decided she was offended. Uh, at his theoret- completely theoretical joke bit, which is actually a feminist bit about how lyrics will, uh, in, in like a, a song with a good beat, will be misogynistic. People will dance to it anyway if the beat's good enough. And she's like, I found that offensive. And all of a sudden, there is a, there's this fear of like, a, oh, my God. All of a sudden, this person, there's articles like, they did this sexist joke. And it's, it's, it's so unfair and I'm sure it worked out in his benefit in that, like, people saw the clip and saw how talented he was, and it gets his name out there. But in that moment, it's just scary. All of a sudden, you are now the focus of this machine whose priority is not your success, whose priority is, like, drama. And that kind of desire for drama can have negative effects on someone's career. Yeah, um, I'm, 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 actually, I'm actually reading Judy Gold's book, and she said the same thing. She said something oh, really? very, very similar that, you know, you, you, I mean, she was talking about like when people record stuff illicitly um, and how, uh-huh. what, you know, or, or just or a bad reaction to a tweet. I mean, she wasn't ta- she wasn't necessarily sure. talking about like, you know, an AGT or something, but just that that kind of crowd reaction that, you know, mass Internet crowd reaction. And it can really hurt a career. And I think yeah, and it's, it's, I also think like and especially speaking as like a straight white guy that sometimes I'm like all right, I think some of us are being like a little paranoid about, oh, we're going to get canceled. Like, like we're looking at like, oh God, I I never want to name names of people, but we look at people who are canceled and it's like, well, that's an extreme example. Or like, or a lot of these people you're like, well, they were okay. They got canceled. Someone found an old tweet 
and it wasn't good, and they're okay, though. Um, and I certainly don't want to be one of those guys who's just like, yeah, they're all out to get us. They're, uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's all tough. But when you deal with reality TV, you know, you're just, you're going into it and you have no idea what they're going to do. And, um, in Usama's case, it was just like, it's fortunate that it was a video and anyone who watches the video, I think of sound mind goes, Oh, that's just a really good comic. And no, that he was not calling her a tramp. Um, I don't know if you saw the clip I'm talking about. No, no, no. I've heard about it. I have not watched it yet, but I've heard about it. And it sounds like it was pretty epic. Yeah, it's fortunate just like, first of all, if it had been in front of a live studio audience, I think it would have been even better because like it would have killed so hard. Um, And like it or not, we are influenced by the fact of, oh, everyone in that room laughed at this thing. Maybe if I'm offended, I should at least be like, oh, why did everyone laugh at it and enjoy it? And I'm being weird about it. Right. But, um, yeah, I just want to make clear that it was lucky with, with this song where it's just like he's just so good um, that anyone who watched that video couldn't help but go like, that's kind of funny. Uh, and that's – No, no, no. So, at least, so at least you're not, it's, not, it's not a story being told out of context. It's not something, you know, I heard Osama do this. You can actually see him – Osama, rather. You, you actually see him do it. Sure. And I think like – one of the things you, we know as performers is sometimes people get canceled, get in trouble for some kind of joke. And I'm like, Oh, well that's cause they're just not great at comedy or they're not. If you're better at comedy, you can get away with talking about more on the line things. And it's like, wait a second. Our morality should not be based on someone's talent level. That's kind of fucked up. I think that it's like, oh, well, they're a little more talented or they said it in a funnier way so they don't get in trouble for it. Um, This is not a great example anymore, obviously. But, like, there was stuff that Louis C.K. said back in the day, pre kind of, you know, everything happening, where he would say something that another comedian would get, like, destroyed for, in trouble for, canceled for, whatever. But because Louis C.K. was so good at saying it, and so fucking funny at it that he would not get in trouble for it. And I think you just understand as a comedian that like, oh, our morality is partially based on who is more talented in their ability to make something funny. And that's, that's not a good gauge for what's right and what's wrong. You don't, th- you don't think don't it's, you don't think you can get away with more? Just, I mean, so you're basically you're saying you can get away with more if the joke is, the better the joke is. For sure. For okay. Sure. And I mean, I agree, yeah. I agree with that, but I, I'm also, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like maybe you should have to be skilled enough to talk about certain topics. Like some people get up and obviously this sure. happens. you see this a lot at open mics. You know, there apparently I, I have not experienced this. People have told me that, that there's a rampant, um, you know, uh, thing of people going to white guys going to open mics and using the N word. And it's sort of like, <laughs> okay, wild. you know, and they just, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They're just getting up and saying things and trying to get a reaction. And that's not good stand up. Sure, no doubt. And I, I for sure am not going to, like, I, I would not in a million years defend the use of a, a white guy using the N-word. But I, I'll say that, like, you see these people going to open mics, and I'm like, oh, this is a – the people who do that or the people who go up there and talk about, like, go, like, go up to an open mic, and they're like, I know what I'm going to do, five minutes on my view of trans people. I'm like, oh, you're, you're a fucked up. 20-year-old kid 
with no friends and no gauge. And like, you clearly have misunderstood what comedy is. Yeah. And you're just like, you're, you, you have, you have completely misunderstood like what edginess is and you've taken whatever your, your call of duty scream fight was like my, my brother, he plays video games and there's a lot of times I'm like, I get nervous because these guys, they play four as a video game, just trying to one up each other with disses and they start to think, Oh, that's comedy. It's just like, just being as vicious and fucked up as you can. Um, and I get nervous. I, I think he's I think he's smart, and I, I hope I'm a positive influence of being like, hey, don't don't say that. That's fucked up. But I think that's what happens with a lot of guys um, in in those years. And I think when we look at like, you know, when people talk about Reddit or 4chan, like there is a certain age that boys um, are susceptible to kind of falling into. Oh, that's what comedy is. And uh, then you you get people you know becoming fucking proud boys and shit. Ugh. Or as Joe or as Joe Biden said last night, the poor boys. The poor boys. That was just like I vey. Killed vague. me. <laughs> I mean, look, it was better. Like when Biden spoke at that first debate, it's very anxious when he stumbles because you're just like, oh, this people are gonna uh, take this as a sign of weakness. I know. Um, and. It's it can be anxiety inducing sometimes to watch him finish a thought, but uh, he did fine. He, he said, "Poor boys, who cares?" <laughs> who cares? I, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's, I wouldn't even call that a gaffe. It's just it's just sort of like you know, no, that's not what they're called. <laughs> it was just I don't know. It was unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Trump is like I don't know anything about QAnon, so it's like all right, well. If you don't know anything about this giant thing, then Biden can forget that it's proud and not poor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, so of the, you do a lot. You do. You write. You uh, you act. And you're like and you're like a real actor. Actor. Like you're not just a comedian who acts. Like you actually have acting training, right? Yeah, I went to college for musical theater, um, and. Yeah, I had a lot of acting training. It, I really, like, four years ago, maybe four and a half, I started stand-up became the priority, and I feel very much like there was a time where if you told me actor would ever not be the first thing in my, you know, my hyphens, I would go, you're crazy. Um, but now acting feels like it's this thing I still kind of do, I don't know if my like full skill set is there, if it's rusty. I haven't had like a role that required me to like really act. Um, but yes, sure. I guess I should be more, should be more. Yeah. No, okay. no, no. I mean, I think, I think it's, what you say is interesting. I mean, stand up to me, I mean, it kind of takes over your life. I mean, I'm a couple of years in yeah, and yeah. it's really all I do. I mean that, you know, that I, I spend time writing, I'm doing open mics. And I mean, with the, with the quarantine, I mean, that's really what's kept me sane is just being able to hop onto multiple open mics a day, do a lot of writing, um, do a lot of virtual shows. I have my own weekly virtual show that you did. And I think it's, I think it's fair to say, and I don't, I don't, I think people maybe don't understand this, that like, you know, when you do stand up, it can kind of become addictive. I mean, I think it's really, it becomes everything you do. Yeah. It's, and it's just like, well, once you get, once you get to a certain level of like, you're going up there, you're doing well most nights, it, it feels like, oh, I got to stay sharp. 
oh, I can't let this go. If I don't do this for three days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get worse. I'm going to get worse. Um, like, for whatever reason, I haven't had just now. I've, I've been, like, swamped figuring out things for this, this special that's coming out. And, like, uh, you know, something gets moved, something gets this. And I haven't done stand-up not on Zoom for three days. And I feel like, uh, uh, oh, fuck, I'm uh, getting worse. Oh shit! Oh fuck! I haven't worked. I haven't written any new stand-up in three days, and I think it's a really—it's uh, that kind of lifestyle that you commit to, and it's—it can be very stressful. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you see all the—you see—you see tons of comedians who who break through and they start doing movies or they have a sitcom, and ninety-five percent of the time, their stand-up just gets bad. It just gets bad. It just gets weak or it gets soft. Um, and there's few people like, like a John Mulaney that you're like, Jesus Christ, how, how? That's what's amazing about John Mulaney to me is it's just like he's been busy. And he had a Broadway show and he still puts out this hour where you're like, this is well-structured. And these are cool, some great chunks. Right. Astounding. And um, so that's why I'm like, could I – it's one of these things where like I do get nervous about like my acting skills, but then, you know, in this business, if I sit down for a potential manager, Oh, I'm a great actor. You have to, you realize like you, you can be your insecure self in some places, but in some places you need to shut the fuck up with that. And right. Present a, a, a front facing image of like, Oh no, I can do it. I'll do it. And I'll be good. And it's a real, it's a real balancing act. Yes, you can send me on that audition, and I will get it. You know, not. Yeah, well, I yeah, guess yeah. I'm okay. I guess I'm pretty good. I haven't acted in a while. And the manager's like, "Oh, well, then fuck you. I don't want you as my client." <laughs> wow, no way. All right, so tell me about tell me about the special. Let's talk about that. Sure. So, um, I uh, I wrote. A lot of new jokes starting in March. Everything was canceled. I was I was gonna like I was gonna have my first month where like every weekend I was traveling to headline, and I like you know, I bought merch and I was gonna sell the. I wasn't getting paid a lot for these gigs, but with the merch, I think I could break even, maybe make a few hundred bucks. And I felt I felt like I was entering kind of a a, a newer level of of my stand up career, and it felt cool. I felt excited. Everything got canceled. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Um, I started doing Zoom shows and then outdoor shows, and I was really committed to, like, writing new material. Um, but a lot of it was more topical than I normally had written before because it felt like you had to talk about this thing that Trump did or you had to talk about, you know, every, a lot of comedians have a bit about masks, and it's like, well, that makes sense. That makes sense because this is a whole new element of our life. Um, and I had all these jokes that I was proud of, but they were going to expire. They had a shorter shelf life, which is what we called the special. Um, and someone, a producer was interested in, in funding it. Um, and we filmed an outdoor, it's a 30 minute special um, called shelf life. We filmed it outdoors at a courtyard in Brooklyn. Um, and we did two shows that night. One of them had a lot of rain but I think Ooh. we edited around it pretty well. Um, there's a couple shots you can see the rain, but I, I hope I hope people are forgiving. And um, we also, it, it was filmed 
uh, directed by a, a guy named Andy Buck, who is a, he's a, a documentarian for CNN. And he kind of filmed a, a little documentary that opens up the special where you see me just, just trying to survive with all this, doing the outdoor shows in Santa Fe, New York, doing Zoom shows, doing uh, a show on the street where someone's struggling to parallel park behind me and I have to incorporate that into my act because it's literally behind me. Um, and we filmed it. I feel really good about it. We're going to air it on uh, Manhattan News Network like three times before the election. And then uh, it'll go up on Amazon Prime. Um, going to be released as an album. We're still, uh, it's just the old line, we're, we're talking to people about releasing it or I'll self-release it. But um, I feel really good. I, I realize part of you is like, oh, I want to wait to do that kind of perfect hour where a label asks me to do it from the get-go and it's the like, this is me hour. Every comedian has that kind of, a lot of comedians have that first hour of like, a, my name's this and I'm Italian and my parents are this and I did this. And um, I still want to do that, but I think in this crazy fucking time where we don't know what's happening with stand-up comedy, we don't know what winter's going to be like, we don't know what next year's going to be like, I was like, you know what? I feel that I'm a strong enough stand-up to put out 30 minutes that I won't feel embarrassed about in two years. And uh, I feel really proud of it. And I'm excited to uh, screen it on Manhattan News Network and then put it up on Amazon and then have it as an album, you know? That's very cool. That's very cool. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're in a I, – it's such a cliche, but, I mean, I, we're in a DIY, a DIY culture right now. I think we need to – do things like that. If you've got the material and you've got the wherewithal to record it, you know, don't wait around for some for someone to come knocking on your door. Like, just get it out there. Yeah, it's it's a wild, it's a wild time. And I started I started this show business as like an actor, and and uh, I was very much of the mindset where you go up the ladder. You know, you, 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 you meet the agent and the agent gets to the audition and then you get enough parts and then you get the manager in a very kind of normal trajectory that I think in the 70s, 80s and 90s was pretty standard. And um, as we all know, everything's just kind of breaking apart and there are a few lucky people who make it up the ladder in the traditional way. But we're, we live in a world where Sarah Cooper uh, gets some viral TikToks and like, knows how to, I mean, the, the intelligence it takes to take the bump of like attention she got and turn it, ride it all the way up into a fucking Netflix special that's so smart during a pandemic. So smart. I mean, it's, that's what, that's sometimes like there's certain, there's people out there who goes like, I don't get lip sync thing. And I'm like, as a comedian, you admire comedians for their work on one, on one half of you. But I can also admire, and this is not what I'm saying with Sarah Cooper, but I'm talking about like any comedian who does the road or any comedian who like, you're like, well, that's not my style or my taste. You go like, but I admire the fuck out of anyone who had the wherewithal to do the insane climb that, I mean, think about it. She went into quarantine not famous and now is huge. Ah. 
Oh, beyond huge. I mean, she did I this from home. She did this from her apartment. Exactly, it's a new and world. She, and I, I don't know. We're not, we're not super close. We, we knew each other from before. But the, the idea of like, do you know what? I can't imagine what it must have been like to, to go from making TikTok videos on, and she had had success in written books, so she was, she was not a inexperienced. She was not on. But to go from that. To then talk, having I'm sure like meetings with the the top three agencies in the world, and making gigantic career decisions from home, is amazing. Is amazing. That that is a smart fucking person. Oh yeah. That is a person who knows how to deal with stress. So, mazel to her. And, and exactly, more to, power to her. I mean, I I know there are people that are like, uh, you know, and it's like, come on. Get over it. I mean, she she did something really smart. She did something really funny that people liked. And isn't that what it's all about? And, yeah, you just don't – like, it's just – it's very easy to talk about, like, you know, we we all want to be pure in terms of our output. And, again, I'm not saying anything about Sarah Cooper specifically. I'm saying, like, I think whenever you see someone uh, make it, you, you see them do things where you're like, oh, you, you, you went on ABC News and you kind of, like – smiled it up for the can like it doesn't feel pure you're like where oh you went on abc and didn't make a crazy pedophilia joke because you thought it was funny <laughs> and it's it's like and i do think that's the struggle that's the struggle that anyone makes it you have to decide kind of how much do i let myself fake it but especially someone like like sarah cooper who who clearly navigated this insane thing i i can't help but only have just admiration for for her abilities a hundred percent. I mean, it's it's fucking because I know because I know from like the little things I do, like the the I I just had some weird cooking. I cooked a meal, posted a picture. It was not a good meal, and it went like viralish. And I know just the the thing of like, oh, this this nice person wants to send me a knife. Am I gonna am I a branded content person now? And these are tiny decisions that no one's paying attention to that are. You have to fig- I have to figure it out on my own. I don't right. have any landscape. If someone asked me to do a branded content thing, I have no idea, like, is this a good idea? Will people look at this and think it's dumb? Am I so small and no one really cares and I should just be? These are, it's hard to figure these things out on your own. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, no, what's totally. What's your sounding board? Your two or three friends that are willing to put up with you whining about the branded content someone wants you to do. Wah. Somebody um, somebody liked your tweet too much. Wah. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, you're stressed about this thing that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> All right, John Marco, um, I know you gotta go. So um tell everyone yeah. where they can find you and how they can find the special. Yes. So um well, you can find me on social media. This is the best way to find out that everything's going on with the special. It's either my uh Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. It's my name, it's at John Marco Cerezi. Um, that's uh, G-I-A-N-M-A-R-C-O-S-O-R-E-S-I. Um, that's where it's going to be. Right now, we found out uh, the special is going to air on Manhattan News Network October 28th at 9.30, October 31st at 10.30, and November 2nd, right before the election at 9.30. Whoa, look at you. Uh, if you need a, need a little relief. And um, uh, we wanted to put it out there on that first. And we will announce when Amazon is out, when it's on Spotify. And uh, it's 30 minutes. It's 30 minutes of, of tight jokes. I promise it's, it's, it's good. 
and you'll enjoy it. So check great. It out. That sounds great. That's a great, that's a great pitch. Um, all right, John Marco, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to talk to you. I appreciate it. Great, great to talk to you too. And everyone, please stay safe. We'll be back next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.